and was standing there. They were just dressed in white at the tomb of Jesus. Most of them don't have. The ones that have wings are angelic hierarchy. They've been placed there for a reason. They're a decoration of rank. We were first introduced to cherubs in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve and then Adam had partaken of the fruit that they was told not to partake of in the garden, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Afterwards, the Godhead said, we have to do something for if man eats now of the tree of life, he will remain in the state that he is in right now. And so it says that on the east side of that garden of Eden, they placed two cherubs and a flaming sword that whirled every which way to guard the entrance of that garden. So cherubs are introduced to us there in Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent who beguiled Eve was a cherub. He was a cherub in his heavenly realm before he was cast down. In Ezekiel 28, we get a description of him here. And let's read that together. See what he did before the throne of God. Beginning in verse 12, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and you were perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And this is the garden of the heavenly Eden, and not the one on earth. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, and diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and jasper, the sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, and with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes. They were prepared for you on the day you were created. And you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. And you were perfect in all of your ways. Until iniquity was found in you. And by the abundance of your trading or your merchandise, the gifts that I had given to you, you became filled with violence within, and then you sinned. And then, therefore, I had to cast you as a profane and vain thing from the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And so I cast you to the ground and I laid you before kings that they might gaze upon you. Lucifer, son of the morning, was the seal of perfection, the picture of the perfect works of the hand and mind of God as he put him together. Once you know Satan is a created being, so therefore he cannot be God. You were perfect in the day I created you. He is a created being. He had a beginning like we did. Check out the stones that was used as his covering. Does anything there seem familiar? What have we been studying the last couple of weeks? The one who sat upon the throne was like a sardius and a jasper stone. And we said that that was 
first mentioned in, in Exodus chapter 28. And it talked about that that was the high priest stones. And that was the first and the last. Well, several, most of these stones mentioned here in Ezekiel 28 that was prepared for Satan and his covering was priestly stones. He was the worship leader. He was the one who stood before the throne, walked among the fiery stones, and was seemed to be the worship leader there in the heavenly realm. He was the cherub who covered. And then it says, I anointed you. You were the anointed cherub. You know where that first comes in at? That's also in Exodus 28. When God told Moses to bring your brother and his sons before me to be Aaron the high priest and his son's priest to minister to me. You will have them to put on these garments that I make for them, the ephod, the robe, the sash, and that breastplate. And when you do, you're going to anoint them with oil before me as ministers. So that was the anointing to put them into the office to separate them from what is common and sanctify them as holy unto God. And we're going to talk in the coming week or two about what they wore upon their head. Because the hat that was given to them, the turban had a golden band around it. And it was written in there, holy unto God. And they were anointed to be a holy people to represent and minister to God. And you, Lucifer, I created you perfect and I anointed you and I gave you these stones, and you served me on my holy mountain and walked among us. He was powerful. He was brilliant. He was sharp and important. He was perfect and marched in front of all of those created angelic beings. But then something happened. God also created within the angelic beings the same thing that He put in us. Free will. The ability to choose. They were not robots. They had a mind. And Satan, it says, you were perfect until your free will gave over to something else. And you chose to rebel against me. Iniquity was found in you. Why? The abundance of your beauty, your position, the things that I have done for you and where I placed you was too much for him to handle. And iniquity was found. And then violence started filling his mind on what he wanted to do. What did he want to do? Well, Let's go to Isaiah 14. Because Isaiah 14 describes in detail what he wanted to do. This is the driving force behind the betrayal of the super creature. Isaiah 14 beginning in verse 11 says this. Thy pomp, we saw a lot of pomp yesterday if you watched it on the British royalty, didn't we? A lot of pomp and circumstance. Your pomp has brought you down to the grave. The noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee and the worms cover thee. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How thou art cut down to the ground and did weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thy heart, here's his free will going, I will ascend into heaven 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high God. Pride and arrogance began to fill him because of what God had done for him. He, see, he started being self-seeking instead of a servant. And that was the driving force behind Lucifer's crash. His celebrity ship got him carried away. He said, I will sit, I will ascend, I will be like God. And God says, because your heart was filled with these things by your beauty and your rank that I had given you, I had to destroy you, O covering cherub, from where you were and cast you down. And why do we bring all of this up today? Because we need to learn that God says what He means, He means what He says, and that He keeps His promises and His word. And so that is why we are studying this today, because we're going to see a picture in heaven of what's going on now. If you want to turn to Revelation chapter 4 with me, back to our text. Revelation chapter 4, we're going to get clued in to some things that's happened post Lucifer being cast down. Verse 1 beginning in Revelation 4 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice that I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, and it said, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And the one who sat upon the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was the rainbow around the throne. It was in appearance like an emerald. Now, around that throne were twenty-four more thrones. And on those thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and noises. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne was like a sea of glass. It was like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, there was four living creatures full of eyes, front and back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like a calf, and the third was like the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, they were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, And who is to come. Man, what a vision. What a vision of grandeur that we see here. And all of these crazy things. Man, we talked about the first three verses already. About the throne and the one who sat upon it. And the the stones and the covenant that God has made with us. There, the emerald rainbow. The rainbow represented the covenant. We talked about that last. Now the new stuff. Down in verse 4, we get to see 24 more thrones and 24 elders who are sitting upon those thrones. 
I had some questions. I don't know if I'll get them answered. But why only 24? Why are they on thrones? Why are they dressed the way they were and described as they are? And what about those other four living creatures? I mean, they're intimidating, aren't they? I mean, we're talking lions and calves and flying eagles and robes with eyes all over them bulging out. We're going to describe that for you next week. It's not, don't be freaked out. It's really good. It's promises for us as we achieve what we're doing. We've been seeing that we unwrap these things, okay? And we let the Bible interpret the Bible as we do it because otherwise it's conjecture and we don't do that. So what's all of this about? Well, there was a riot in heaven. Star Wars theme. Satan tried to rebel against God. And he went up against God and said, I'm going to take the throne I'm going to be like God. And he didn't make it. And now we look. He didn't make it. Matthew 25, 41 says that the lake of fire is hell is prepared for the devil and his angels who rebelled against me and my word and my will. And that is where they will have an eternal destiny. But what about the rest of them? What about the faithful angels? Well, Revelation 12 talks about a war in heaven and how that Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels and the dragon didn't prevail, but Michael and his angels did fighting under God's authority and they cast them down. Some folks think that's referring to the first fall. Some folks think it's referring to something else. It don't matter. What I say is it gives us a vision that whenever Satan rears his ugly head to try to overthrow God in a certain point, there's a battle that goes on. There's an angelic warfare that goes on between the angels of God versus the angels of the dragon or the demon. Do you remember? We don't get it it in Exodus when it says that Moses passed on, but Jude talks about how that Even angels don't try to say mean things to other dignitary angels. It says, even Michael the archangel did not say accusations to the devil when they were fighting over the body of Moses. They were fighting over the body of Moses. There is warfare going on all the time. He was the cherub who covers. Why are we reading what we're reading here? Because he was the cherub who covered. He marched up and down. Guess who was before the throne now? Look up there at Revelation 4 and verse 6. Towards the bottom of that. It tells us something really interesting there. There are now four living creatures who guard the throne of God. You remember in our prayer this morning, we were talking about the word for covering is to guard and protect. It was a hedge of protection is what that word means. Satan was the covering cherub who guarded. Now there are four who guard the throne room of God. Verse 8 there says that these have how many wings? Six wings. Introduce seraphs. Seraphs are now a higher rank 
of angels than cherubs. They have six wings. If you remember, two weeks ago we had uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And he said, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. And a seraph immediately began flying. And it said that with two of his wings he covered his feet. And with two of his wings he covered his face. And with two he flew and he went and he grabbed the tongue with the coal and touched it to Isaiah's lips. He is a seraph. And seraphs are the highest rank and order and are now closest to the throne of God when worship takes place. Some conjecture that as we infer from what we read throughout the scriptures and these battles like Michael fighting against Satan and the battle that took place when he tried to overthrow the throne, that as a reward for their heroic deeds on serving God and being faithful to him, they are now the ones who were given the rank to be the covering cherubs and the ones who bear the standard, which we will talk about next week on why the face of a man, why the lion, give you a hint, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, isn't he? And if you remember in, um, in Exodus and Leviticus, and it really comes out in numbers, that when they had to camp, they all camped by their standards, which was a flag that had the representation of the tribe upon it. And... Part of those come from that. These are the representations of the tribe of Jesus the Messiah. He was a man, wasn't he? One of them's like the face of a man. That's one of his standards. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's one of his standards. He's the calf is one of the standards. Why? He was the sin offering of God, which is what is in the Old Testament. It was the calf who was given every time as a sin offering separate from the lamb at the atonement. So there's a reason that these things are named the way they are. But these are the angels who evidently, and that's why I'm telling you evidently, it's, it's kind of inference from the scriptures of putting it together, but why are they here? Because they are now the ones that are in that place. Satan had been cast down. Let's try to uh, explain that a, a little deeper. Let's go to the next slide, Tanya. Look at chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 8 and 10. There they lead the new song that's sung, starting verse 8. When he took the book, and that's the lamb, took it from the hand of God. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and a golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. You were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests unto our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Do you see how that they were there before the throne leading this new song and the worship? Oh yeah, look down there at verse 11. And then I looked... And I heard the voice of many angels. This is the rest of them. They're out around surrounding the rest of them. You've got the throne, the four living creatures, the 24 thrones, and then the myriad and myriad of angels. Look at verse 11. I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. 
And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. So now they join in to the song of praise. That was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And then the four living creatures kept saying amen and then the elders would fall down and worship. You see how that they are the first front in front of the throne leading in the worship and what is supposed to be done. You go to chapter 6. The four living creatures there again are recognized as the leaders before the Lamb and His throne. Chapter 7, our next slide up here, verses 11 and 12. All the angels were standing around the throne. So now we're going from the outside in. They were standing around the throne and then around the four eld- or the 24 elders and around the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying amen blessing and glory and honor and thanksgiving and wisdom and power and might be to our God forever and ever you see they they were worshiping God and the other ones hold that position of leadership within the circle chapter 14 verse 1 to 3 I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his name and the name of the Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters and like the sound of thunder that was loud. And the voice that I heard was like the sound of a harpist playing their harps and they sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and before the elders. And no one could learn the song except for the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. They're also noted in chapter 15, chapter 19, but I think we've made the point of there's the throne, there's the four living creatures who now surround the throne, the 24 thrones with the elders, and then the myriads and myriads of angels out around that who are worshiping God in the heavenly realm. They've been put there because of how they functioned in faithfulness to God during the conflicts that go on. And I want to remind us that every moment we are in a conflict of angelic proportions. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, That we do not wrestle, we do not fight against flesh and blood. Oh, you think somebody's hurt your feelings, or you think somebody's trying to get you. We're not really fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. We're fighting against the rulers of darkness. We're fighting against the things of high places and spiritual wickedness. And I'm reminded... That that was the message to the seven churches that we just finished talking about in chapters 2 and 3. Every time the Lord was telling them, you are in a battle. You sit where Satan's throne is. You live where Satan dwells. He would tell them, this person's coming at you and that person's coming at you. You are in a battle daily over your faith and over your soul. 
Be faithful. And I'm going to, to give you due reward for your faithfulness to me in this battle that you face. That's not against flesh and blood. And, and so why, are we stu- why is this the first thing we see in chapter 4 after we've been told that we also face these angelic battles? Because as I look, let's go back to chapter 4 now. Let's start looking at what those elders are wearing. Those faithful that are around the throne and sitting on their own thrones. Verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon them I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Elder, it's the word presbyteros in the Greek. It means a mature man having seasoned judgment so as to be able to rule and advise and administer judgments to people. So it means basically to be spiritually mature, fully grown. We're going to talk about that more later next week. But as such, they are able to sit and rule with Christ on thrones in front of them, right? Do you remember the promise in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21 to Laodicea that we had about three weeks ago? It said this, He who overcomes the victor, the one who remains faithful, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what I'm saying to the churches. So what was the promise to being faithful? To being spiritually mature in an era when it's hard to do. First thing, I'm going to give you a throne to sit on. Oh, what did we just see that they're on? Sounds like... They received a promise, didn't they, from their faithfulness. Then what else are they wearing? Oh, there's a promise uh, to Revelation 2 and verse 26 to Thyatira, again dealing with the throne. He who overcomes and who keeps my deeds to the end, to him will I give authority over nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as vessels of the potter are broken into pieces. As I received authority from my Father, I am giving it also to you, and I will give you the morning star. That's a knighthood. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to you. These are promises to you for being faithful in a spiritual battle. What else do they have on in our text? It says they're clothed in white garments, doesn't it? What was the promise that was made to Sardis in chapter 3, verse 5? He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father in heaven. It's starting to sound like me. You remember we've talked that heaven has kind of been replicated for us to be here. Because what is our prayer that the Lord taught us? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see that we are kind of mirroring things that is going on there. He says to them, if you are faithful, I will put you in white clothes. That sounds like to me, these angelic elders have been given these promises that God kept to them for their faithfulness. 
How about we go on? They've got golden crowns also upon their head. Oh yeah, I remember that that was given to Smyrna. Be thou faithful unto me unto death, and I will give to you the crown of life. So what we are seeing here is that those who reject God and His Word and rebel against that receive a promise just like the angels did and hell was created for the devil and his angels. But God loves us so much that He gave His Son so that we might become the righteousness of God through Him and that we don't have to face that kind of thing. And what he asks us to do is to be faithful to his son and to his word and live our life as an ambassador for Christ. And I will give you these things. And I know it's a battle. I know you're being tested on every front. But to him who overcomes, that remains steadfast, who is unmovable in this battle, I'm going to give you these things. And the first thing that we see in heaven, that Jesus is on the throne, He has the power and authority of the kingdom, and He keeps His promises. The first thing we see before Him is those who were faithful to Him in the angelic realm, and they're sitting exactly where He said that they were going to be sitting. So when He tells us all of these things in chapter 2 and 3 to the church, and asks, if you've got an ear to hear, let Him hear what I'm telling you, I'm showing you in chapter 4. What it's going to be like. I'm faithful to my promises. I am on my throne. And I reward my servants. Just like I said that I would. And that is why we study this. To know that God keeps His promises. It's going to be wonderful there. Paul said, I can't tell you that for the things that you go through on this life cannot even be compared to the glory that we're going to have in that heavenly realm. So hang on, persevere, and don't let go. And that's why we're given this vision of these angels and these thrones before the throne to let us know that Christ is in charge. He is the power and authority. He gave them promises evidently like He has us. He's showing us that He was faithful then. And He will be faithful now to us through our battle. Our star wars that we face here on this earth. As as worship team comes on back up and we close today's message out. Next week I'm going to try to get through most of this chapter. And I want to explain to you what, what those eyes mean. What those different faces mean. What's going on with that. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's going to be a blessing and I exhort you to come back. But today, I exhort us also to humility. I exhort us to be courageous in the battle, but humble before our Lord. Don't let ourselves, our fleshly nature, lead us astray in this battle. That nature led Satan astray. And he got overcome by things. Don't allow that to happen to you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. And that means I obey His Word. I am in humility and subject in His kingdom to it. And I do what He tells me to do. 
And if I do, he says, as king, I am going to bless you through that. So allow that spirit of humility and service to remain in our walk of life as we go forward. And help each other in this battle that we face. Because it's not easy. I always joke around with some folks um, like my father-in-law and my dad. And say, you know, the things that's happening in life as you get older, it's not for sissies. But you know what? Life ain't for sissies. Life ain't for sissies. It happens to us all in all stages. Be humble before our God. Allow Him to lift us up. Trust in Him always with all of your heart and let His Word light your path that you walk in. So that together, all of us as a body of Christ on that grand and glorious day will be right there like it says with those myriads and myriads of angels worshiping Him for all of eternity. And that's my hope and my prayer for all of us as we bow. And Father, thank You for Your Word. And thank you for this picture that is worth a thousand words that says, I keep my promises. I told you I was going to resurrect. I was going to be seated on the right hand of my Father. I was going to be given the kingdom. And those who follow me and believe in me and those who are washed in my blood would be a part of my family and my kingdom. And I will... Take care of you. You are an heir of God through Christ. And we, we are now given a picture of what that means. And that you do keep your promises. And that this will happen. And that everything you say, you mean what you say and you say what you mean. And your promises have to happen. And Father, we thank you for this picture of grandeur and glory. But I don't care if they're streets of gold. And I, I would love to have the crown and the things. But Father, I just want to be there. Just to be there in your presence. To bask in your glory. And to worship you is enough. But thank you for loving us and giving us these promises of what you do want to do for those who are faithful. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.